we are Centerpoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello, how are you? It's good to have you all with us today. So my name is Chris and um, I lead the leadership team that leads Centerpoint Church here. And... Um, Today, um, we're going to be going through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and um, we've been going through the whole book of 1 Corinthians, and we've called it Church as God Intended, um, because the Corinthian church is a church that's in a right mess, and Paul has been laying down these foundations about um, how to get things right. And uh, it's been, it's, I think it's been like a really good series. We've not got long left, actually, just the rest of uh, February and, and one week in March we've got left in it. Um, and we find out, actually, that um, by 2 Corinthians, they've put a lot of the stuff right. So 2 Corinthians is a great book. It's a real commendation, like, well done for, for going with the Lord and hearing my advice and stepping into all that I've called you to. And um, so, that's, so that's really good. But... Um, Today we're in chapter 12, and so you can start to turn to it now. Um, but I want to let you know a little bit about it before we read it. Because a key thing that's important for us to know about this passage is that Paul is going to use a brilliant analogy about the body, as in like the human body. But a key thing to know is that this analogy is not original to Paul. It's very likely, and the evidence suggests, that this image of a body having many parts was one that the Corinthians would be well aware of. It was like a, a, an analogy that would be used in their society. And we know that the society in Corinth was very diverse, that there was social hierarchy, that um, your status was quite key. And so those that were rich would look down at those on the poor. Men would look down on women. Slay, uh, sort of people that were free would look down on slaves. And if you were Jewish, uh, then you would look down on anyone who was not Jewish. And that, the word for that is Gentile. And um, so when the analogy of the body would be used in a derogatory way, and uh, it's better to be the head than the toe, uh, for example. And, you know, if, if I'm an important person in the body, then I'm sort of further up the body than further down, or I'm in just a more important part. And in this passage, Paul is going to give this analogy, a whole new meaning to this group of people in this church in Corinth that um, were thinking that way. And... Um, yeah, we've seen kind of uh, throughout the series, we've seen how there are people in the church have been really, um, I suppose, showing that this, how this culture has been creeping in. And so that like we heard a few weeks ago when we were talking about communion that the rich people were kind of, the church were gathering for communion, but the rich people were going off in their own little private room, having all the food and getting drunk on the wine, whilst the poorer people in the congregation were basically going without and not having anything. And it's just, just awful segregation. We find that there was people in the church that were like really desiring special gifts of the Holy Spirit and saying that these are more important than the other gifts. And so last week we looked at about how actually there are different gifts, but it all comes from one spirit, it all comes from one God. And so last week we talked, we called it one spirit. My, I don't know if my click is working or if I'm just being an umpty, um, but it, it sort of doesn't seem to be, maybe you can sort it out, Sean. Um, and so this week, yeah, we get to this analogy of the body, and I've called the talk one body to fit with that. And uh, so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read it, um, 
the, ver the words might come up on the screen, but I don't know. Uh, we're going to go from verse 12. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its, part, all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So he was talking to everyone there. And now this, this next few verses, he starts to talk to those who are feeling insecure because they feel like they're, they're, not, they're not really worthy to be part of the body. And he says, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? There would just be a pile of eyeballs on the floor or something. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So he was talking to the insecure people. Now he's talking to the, to the rich people, those in high end status. And he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. You know what he's talking about. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. In the last bit of the chapter, and he's now talking back to everyone again. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping and administration or guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And that, that eagerly desire is a plural. It's not like for each individual to eagerly desire like better gifts. No, it's for as a church, as a body, eagerly desire the, the gifts. Make sure that they're all present with you. I love the Bible and I love reading. I love unpacking what it's saying to us. And um, I'm going to see if this works now then. Forget it. And um, to be honest with you, that is the what we've just read is basically today's message. Uh, the message is this: that there is no division, there is no hierarchy. We're all different. We all have different gifts. However high in status you feel, however low in status you feel, God has put us all together. The church. That's all. All the people that believe in Jesus. Um, he's put us all together. 
and throughout the whole world. And when God thinks of his church, he doesn't first think of Centerpoint Church. He doesn't second think of commission or a denomination or part of churches he might belong to. He thinks of every single believer that's ever put their trust in Jesus throughout the world. And um, Paul's message is this, that... uh, that every single person who comes together and makes that decision is part of the body of Christ. And that this body is represented locally in individual congregations in churches. And, uh, and so you find our church here today. And you find churches all spread out all across the world, actually. And in fact, the, old, the whole of the New Testament is basically individual letters written to individual churches in certain places, like Ephesians is written to those in Ephesus, and Philippians is written to those in Philippi, and so on and so forth. Corinth, Corinthians is written to those in Corinth. And so um, this whole passage really is, is, is part of a section of Paul talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in our churches and, and what the Holy Spirit does. And he takes the time in this moment, in, in this part of the passage, to talk about the church, to talk about the body. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to answer five questions and the five questions hey it's working again the five questions I want to answer today is what is the church why is it important why does it exist what's its purpose what are we doing here today like why, why are we here today uh, what is Centerpoint about and should I be involved so let's get on with it then first of all what is the church in verse um, verses 12 to 14 it kind of starts off doesn't it just as the body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with Christ and um, I wonder, why don't you shout out some answers? What do people think church is in our community? What do your friends and family think church is? A building. A building. Yeah, people think it's a building. What else do they think it is? Tradition. tradition. Yeah, people think it's tradition. Weird. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Boring. Boring. Yeah. Social action centre. Yeah, a social action centre. Yeah. Sorry? A steeple. Yeah, it's got a steeple and funny costumes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They can be funny costumes. Yeah. People can think that it's irrelevant, that it's untrue, that it's an outdated old thing that has no place in modern society. People can think all sorts of different things. Certainly that it's a building uh, that's on the street corner. Um, They can think of all types of things. And yet the, the... the passage tells us that the church is a body. It's a body of believers. And, uh, and it also, at the, towards the end of the verse, it says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you has a part to play in it. See, the church is a collection of people all around the world that have put their trust in Jesus. And the Bible calls these people to congregate together in local bodies to see God's will at, worked out in that place. And... Um, But not only that, Paul goes on to explain that this one body of all Christians is united together, not because of the the same colour, not because of the same background or same economic status, but because because they're all together one in Christ. And so Romans 6 verse 3 says, don't you know that all of us, all those people that have put their trust in Jesus, were baptised into Jesus. They were baptised into him. Just as we were baptised by one spirit to form one body of the church, 
we were also baptised into Christ. And this shouldn't be a surprise because as well as the church being a picture of the body, it's also a picture of the family, it's also a picture of the bride, a bride of Christ. And um, it's, a, it's like being Christ's bride, you know, like the wedding ceremony, two become one, two become one flesh. And so there's something that Paul is talking about in these first few verses where he's saying that the he like uses the words one body to do with the church, but also one body to do with Christ. And it's like these things are linked. Two have become one. And in fact, Revelation, um, we see these pictures of uh, Jesus being united with his bride um, at the end. And uh, through Christ, we're all immersed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We become Christians and we become part of him in some way. We become part of his church. And so verse 12 says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. So what is church? The church has got intended is all the people that have put their trust in Jesus, that have committed themselves to work that out in a local body of believers and who are all empowered by the Holy Spirit to see God's will at work in that place that they live. Make sense? Good. All right. So is it important to be a part of it? Let's look at that. I think it is. And I think it is for three reasons. Why is it important to be a part of a local church? First of all, is because God sees it important and so in Ephesians 5 it says husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so God so saw it so important that he sent his one and only son Jesus to live on this earth to be crucified um, for the sins of this world that's you and me so that even yeah even though he's innocent and he uh, rose again three days later defeating death he did all of this was it for you individually no, it says here it's for the church. It's for the gathered community of believers. And of course, that includes individuals, but he died for the church. That's what it says there. He gave himself up for the church. God saw it important. God loves the church. And we live in an individualistic culture where Jesus is my best friend. And, I, and he died for me. And I can do what I want. But Paul tells us that the Ephesians, he tells the Ephesians that Christ died for the church. That's why it's important to be a part of one. He died, he, yes, of course he died for all believers. And when believers put their trust in Jesus, they're encouraged to join a local body, a church. It's throughout the whole of the New Testament. Secondly, um, why is it important? Because Jesus loves the church. So that same passage, husband loves your, wife, husband loves your wives as Christ love the church Christ loves the church and if you are a Christian have put your trust in Jesus then you should love what Jesus loves you see I'm married to Catherine and uh, she's serving on the youth this morning and um, it, what it means is that I'm interested in what she is interested in and so she she's always been into dancing and I now know how to stand in like first second third fourth and fifth position I know how to plie in those positions too it's because I'm interested in what she's interested in. And uh, it means I've watched all sorts of things like that Les Miserables thing. We went to London for that. It was awful. Don't watch it. But she thought it was good. And um, yeah, and I do those things because I love her. And so I'm interested in what she's interested in. If you love Jesus, 
He should be interested in what he's interested in. Jesus loves the church. And then the third reason, why is it important? Because it displays God's glory. And this is something I I don't really understand, but it tells us in the Bible, therefore it must be true. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says this, his intent, that's God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, that's remarkable. There is some, we can't see it, but there is something going on in the heavenly realms that when the church gather together in unity and are filled with the Holy Spirit, that there is some kind of wisdom that is displayed to all the other rulers and authorities um, that declare that God is amazing and that he is good. And that's why we should gather as a church together. The eternal purpose of Jesus was that the manifold wisdom of God would be displayed to all these rulers and authorities in heavenly realms through the church wow unbelievable and so the church there's people sitting that's right to your left and to your right those people this body of believers who have put their trust in Jesus these people that come from different backgrounds races ages ability stages statuses when they gather together in unison in unison in union worshiping God this declares God's glory And it's easy to be like, well, the church hurt me once. They upset me. They can't see my gifting. Everyone else gets to do this and I don't. It's easy to get offended. And if you haven't been offended already, then, and you've only been here for a few weeks, it won't take long. And uh, I promise you, it won't. Because we are people and people are sinful. And therefore we, we mess up all the time. And I've probably offended you already. I've only been here for a few months. And you know what? That's okay because it will teach in you perseverance, character, it will grow you. God will use it. And uh, we're also called to forgive. So I'd encourage you to do that too. <laughs> and you know what? I, um, it was a few weeks ago, I was at a conference of church leaders and it was about the same number of people in this room here. And we were, we were worshipping together and I was standing next to a guy who was from Bosnia-Herzegovina. And um, he, was, he was saying, oh, is this, is this what church is like on a Sunday? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. A bit better looking, but yeah, this is what it's like. And um, he was like, oh, so is this your church? I was like, no, no, these are just the church. These are the people that like lead the other churches as part of our family. Um, so he's like, wait, so, so you on a Sunday don't gather these people. You gather with another people, like, like 100 plus people. Yeah, yeah. So what? So each of these people represents like 100 plus. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he could not believe it because there was more people in that room. There was more people in this room today there are Bible-believing Christians than there are in the whole of Bosnia-Herzegovina. Unbelievable. He was blown away. He couldn't believe that, we, we, that there would be so many people gathered together. He was like, you are so blessed. I was like, oh, yeah, well, I probably am. And it's so easy to take for granted, isn't it? And yet there are people all around the world. We just heard, didn't we? We prayed for that church last week who were blown up. 27 people died because they gather together as a church. And we have such a great opportunity where we can do that, and we don't really have that um, issue, do we? And yet we can walk around thinking, oh, well, should I go to church today? Is it really important for me to be part of it? I've got some shopping to do, maybe I'll do that. It's going to take up some of my time. You know what? Come on. 
We are so blessed that we can gather together. This is where the manifold wisdom of God is declared to the heavenly realms. This is where God meets with us. And it's not just on a Sunday morning, but it's midweek. And it's whenever we gather together, when you gather in a life group, when you gather in a small group, when you gather with the men, when you gather with the women, wherever you are, God's glory is being displayed. And that's why it's important to be part of the church. And you know what? We're going to take communion today and... We're going to celebrate our common union. That common union is one that we have with God through Jesus' body broken for us. But it's also to celebrate our common union, our communion with each other. Because that is what we have in common. It's a community event, a common unity. And that thing is, that's common to us all is Jesus. And so that's why we do it. And it might be that today you're not a Christian. And you're wondering, oh, wow, what, I mean, what's this about? Well, I want to encourage you to, to keep coming, to come back next week and to come back the week after and come and find out what is it this, that this church is about because we're a Bible-believing church that believe that what the Bible says is true about us even today. So why, number three, we've been looking at uh, these. Number three, why does it exist? Well, as well as it existing to express the manifold wisdom of God, it exists really for, for many reasons, but I'm going to sum them up in two ways. And the first one it exists for is the great commandment. And so in Matthew 22, it says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All of the law, all of the like, Old Testament basically hangs on these two things. All of the Ten Commandments, all the, you know, do not murder, do not do this, do not do that. They all hang on, love God and love each other. And the church exists to reflect God's love back to him and to all of those people around us. To reflect God's love back to him, to reflect that love out into our community. And we know that it is so possible for, for people to feel like they just don't belong. It's possible for people to, uh, to have felt that in Corinth. And that's why Paul was saying to them, look, you might feel like you're not be you don't belong. And you might say, well, because I'm a hand, I do not belong to the body. Or because I'm an eye, I do not belong to the body. But the body doesn't stop being part of, you don't stop being part of the body if you feel like you don't belong. You are. And God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. That's what verse 18 says. And so... You might today, you might have felt like you, you somehow you don't fit. Maybe you feel like you're different to everyone else. Maybe you feel like there's not people that connect with you in some way. And I want to encourage you that you need the church and the church needs you. That each of the individual parts of the body, whether you feel like a toenail or whether you feel like an eyelash or an elbow or whatever it might be, the body needs it all to be a, a body, doesn't it? And I want to encourage you to... Um, to, to know that you have a place, a part to play here. And you might think, well, I like this kind of thing and this church doesn't do it yet. Well, that's great because if you're part of the church, you can help us to move in that area. And if you think, oh, well, this church is a bit boring, well, really what you're saying is I'm a bit boring because you're part of the church. And I want to encourage you to bring that, that excitement to whatever it is you want to bring excitement to. And the other thing is that it's certainly possible to treat others like they don't belong. And so Paul says... You don't treat your unrepresentable parts badly or with disdain. You treat them with honour. You give them modesty and dignity. And so we need to make sure we treat each other in that way. And so he says that I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. 
And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And so I wonder, how are you doing? I don't know if I moved us on. Oh, yeah. How are you doing? How are you doing at including people in? How are you doing at being welcoming to to not just guests, but people that have been around for, for years and years? How are you doing at talking to people that are different ages to you? How are you doing at talking to people that are different colours to you? How are you doing at talking to people that are different abilities to you? How are you doing at welcoming people in and making them feel like they're included and, and not that they are on the outside or separated? You know, um, it's so easy for um, us to, like, work and live private in pride and pride really is the root of both of these things because pride says I'm better than you and I'm not going to associate with you but pride also says I'm a worm and I'm not good enough to belong and I'm I'm not worthy to be here no one loves me the reason why that's also pride is because it's all about me it's all about me I'm not good enough I'm not good I'm not and pride is both of them do you know what humility says my identity is not in what I can or cannot do, but it's in what God says about me. Humility says that God loves me, that I'm a child of God, that I belong to the body, and that there is a place for me here. Our identity as believers is not in our ministry, in our leadership, or in our role. All these things will come and go. They'll all come and go. And so it can't be in any of those things. Our identity as Christians needs to be in that we are children of God, loved by him. And that's it. And so... Again, if you're not a Christian here today, I want to encourage you that becoming a, a follower of Jesus, knowing, becoming part of a body, is having a deep sense of security, knowing that when you mess up or you offend someone or you make a mistake, that is not who you are. That there is forgiveness, that there is um, joy, acceptance, peace, love to be found in Jesus. We're all called to love each other, to be a family together and that means that we will annoy each other it means that it will be hard sometimes but it will produce in us good fruits and something that will reflect God's glory, not just to, back to him but out to our world. And so that's the first thing, the great commandment and then the second thing, oh sorry, is the great commission. And so the great commission um, I want to go back it's in Matthew it says Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you and surely I'm with you until the very end of the age you see the church exists, exists to be family but it also exists to show love to the rest of the world and to, to go out. And so throughout the Bible, from the beginning to end, it's all about God's great mission, redemption plan to see all tribes, tongues, nations coming to know him. That was the call to Abraham right at the very beginning, that he would, he would bless all nations through him. And it carries on through Jesus and into the church. And so it's easy for churches to be focused on mission, but forget family. And to be all about getting out there and doing things and getting into the community, but you forget the family feel. And then it's also really easy for people to be all about the family and loving and caring for one another, but forget the mission and, be like, oh, and not, not look to help people to engage or to, to come to know him. And we need to be a church that's both, where we hold the great commandment to love God and to love each other, as well as the great commission to go and see all disciples, one for Jesus, both together. That's what we're, we're aiming to. That's what the Bible calls us to do. And we don't want to be a church that is so insular that we forget about anyone else on the outside. Equally, you don't want to be a church that is all about everyone on the outside and forget that actually, you know, we're brothers and sisters together in Christ. A great commitment to 
the great commission with the great commandment will see a great church built. Amen? And um, so it's why over the next few weeks, uh, there's some things that we're going to do. In terms of family, uh, life groups, students and 20s groups, men's groups, women's groups, all these things are good things to be a part of. But I'm also really excited to let you know that Phil and and a team of girls and guys are running at the YMCA something called Life Explored. And it's a really easy, accessible course um, where people can start to explore um, what they're living for and how Jesus can meet their deepest needs. And the seven session, it starts on Monday, the 25th of February. And we're not asking you to go out and invite lots of random strangers. But what I want to encourage you is that there will be people in your life, maybe even you, that don't know Jesus. And this is a great place for them to start. Seven evenings, 7.30 till 9. It includes a meal. There's some excellent video talks that we'll we'll have discussion as part of them. And uh, it's going to be at the YMCA starting just after half term. And I want to encourage you, hey, why don't you go on it or why don't you come on it and bring a friend with you who maybe doesn't know Jesus? It's the Great Commission. It leads us to want to do these things, to be out into a town. That's why in the summer, we're also going to get out in town and do a big outreach event. And we're going to bless our community. We're going to give away lots of free stuff. And we're going to just let them know that, hey, there's grace. There's grace that we receive from Jesus, a free gift, undeserved, unearned. And we want to give a free gift, undeserved, unearned, unearned to our community. And it's why we support many charitable organisations, like Phil was mentioning earlier, who do great things in our community. And we want to bless them and we want to encourage their work. And so we're going to give to, we give to them financially and we want to give to them through volunteers as well, which many of you do. Because a church, as God intended, is a local body of believers who love the church because they know it's important. They love God and reflect God's love back to him. They love each other. And they also gather in unity together in order to reach our community, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, where they can share the love that they've received with the people around them. Number four, what are we building here today then? Well, imagine that we were the first century church and that no one else in the whole of Guildford was a Christian. What are we going to do to reach them? What are we going to do? Because this is, this is what the Corinthian church had. They were living in a, in a pagan culture, in a culture that didn't, didn't live for Jesus, don't love Jesus, and that's what we live in. Many people don't, don't live that way. And they were given a, a, a mandate, I guess, to go and to share the good news of Jesus with their culture. And the only way to do that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what are we doing here? What's our vision? Well, our vision, I guess it begins with God's vision. Because like I said earlier, we live in this individualistic culture where everything is about me, about my needs being met, about being the best that I can be. And uh, I've got uh, just a little example to represent this. And that is that if you get stacking cups, if you try to stack, if you start with yourself, let's say this is you, if you try to stack these cups up, starting with yourself, what happens? The whole thing crumbles. There is no tower. There's nothing built. Because we don't start with ourselves. And if churches start with themselves and start, oh, this is our vision, this is what we're going to do, then it all crumbles and nothing can be built. But if we align ourselves with God's vision, God's will, then we will start to thrive. And Because there's lots of thrones out there in the world. There's lots of places and people that will say, worship me, worship me, worship me. But in John's vision and revelation, John saw 
a throne and on it was seated a, a man who looked like the son of man and his name was Jesus. And we're a call to align ourselves on our whole lives, our, our will, everything we are with Jesus' mandate, with God's mandate. And so let me show you what I mean. It starts off with the creation mandate. In Genesis uh, 1.28, it said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. The first call was to Adam and Eve to basically go and multiply and to rule over the whole earth and to make sure that they, they spread who they are, their identity, their images, who they are in God with the whole world. And then there was a nation mandate and there, became, there was a guy called Abraham who God called and he said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And he encouraged him to leave where he was and to go into a place that he was going to show him. He was going, not knowing. And he says, I'm going to make you into the great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And through you, all the nations are going to be blessed. And then there was all sorts of stuff that happened throughout the Old Testament and Christ came. And there's a Christ mandate. And in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, carried on this line of things that God was started off right from the very, very beginning. And then there's a cultural mandate. And in Matthew 5, 2, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And there are people out there that are poor in all sorts of different ways. And all of this stacks up with, with that right from the very beginning to go throughout the world and to bless the world and Abraham's vision, to uh, Abraham's calling to go and make sure that all nations are blessed. And then there's a commission mandate. Oh, oh Lisa. Um, there's a commission mandate. I'm going to pretend like that didn't happen. And the commission mandate in um, Matthew 28, Jesus says, Come, to, he came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go into the world. Go out into the world. And it's all building on that same alignment. And Jesus is saying, You need to go into the world. You need to bless the world. You need to, I'm giving you authority to do that. I want to see you baptize people, make, allow people to know about me. And then there's a spirit mandate. In Acts 1, 18, he says, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Jesus, um, having gone out and going, going to bless people and giving people authority, he says, but wait, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And part of that is the apostolic mandate. And in Ephesians 4, verse 12, so Christ himself gave them apostles and prophets and evangelists to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. God has given us a relational family uh, that includes apostles and prophets, and all these things are en enabled to build up all that God is doing. And then there's an elders' mandate. And so God gave elders to churches, and in 1 Peter 5 it says, To the elders among you, you need to be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. You see, he calls us to be part of a flock, and each flock to have elders and those elders to look after the flock and to feed them and nourish them. And it's all part of aligning with God's mandate for his world. And you know what? There's a church mandate. And the church mandate in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. There is a call, there's a mandate in God to be part of a body united in Christ. And whether it's this 
body or it's a different body, whether it's center point or it's another, it doesn't matter. But we're called, if you believe in Jesus, to be part of a body and then it comes to you. And that's a kingdom mandate. And the kingdom mandate on every believer, on Romans 12, is therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform no longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and see that God's will is good, pleasing and perfect. There is a mandate throughout all of history that God initiated at the very beginning. And we are called not to try and have our own little vision, our own little ministry, our own little thing, but we're called to come. All people, all churches, all groups of churches are called to align themselves with God's vision, God's mandate for this world. So at Centrepoint, what are we doing? Well, Centrepoint... <laughs> not that. Not that, yeah, forget that. It's not crumbling, don't worry. It's, it's all right. Oh, it's not throwing it out anyway. Centerpoint, the, the name Centerpoint Church, this was a prophetic name that came about because of all that we felt that God was calling us to do as a group of people many years ago. And um, it's all about Jesus being at the centre of our lives, the great uh, commandment. And it's all about um, him being at the centre of this community, the great commission. It's the great commandment to love God and each other and it's a great commission to go and make Jesus known in the centre of community. And it's summarised by our vision, which is to see every life transformed by Jesus. And this vision is not, it's not like a separate thing that we've come up with on our own, but it's something that aligns with all those things that God has spoken about throughout all the ages, which was to go into the nation, to make... Uh, to bless people, to make people known. And it's, it's even part of our apostolic um, group of churches that we belong to, which is to see thousands of life transformed through hundreds of churches in tens of nations. And we're one of those churches. And so the, this, the, everything that we're building here, it all lines up together through all that God has been doing throughout all history. And do you know where transformation starts? It's with you. It starts with you and me. It starts in us. See, a church as God intended is a people that know that they are part of the body. They're committed to each other, caring for one another. They're open to what God might do among us and through us. They're people who drink from the Holy Spirit regularly. There are people that are inclusive, where everyone is welcome. There are people who don't try to make people change to fit into our group and how we are, but they allow the Holy Spirit to do his work and help people to flourish and thrive in all that God is calling them to be. We're a church that aren't so small-minded that we think it's all about us. No, we're joined together by many churches all across the world who are on mission to see Jesus made famous, not just in Guildford, but throughout the world. They're seeing every life transformed by Jesus. Amen? So should I get involved? This is the last question. Should I get involved? Well, absolutely. And like I said, whether it's this church or another church, it doesn't matter. All churches are called to do this. And... Um, we ourselves are called to give ourselves, to give our money, our effort, our gifts, our serving, our work, all of it, we're called to give to the church, to give to the building of the church. We will love what Jesus loves. Jesus loves the church and that's why we're called to do it. And as a church, we want to do more and I'm looking forward to, uh, in, in March, we're going to do some special offering Sundays. And uh, having said that, you know, sometimes people think the church is all about money, we're not all about money. 
but money is important because it helps us to do all the things that we want to do. And in March, we're going to have some special offering Sundays where what I want us to be able to do is through having these, these extra Sundays where we're going to encourage people to come and give to the work of Centrepoint is so that we can expand and grow our influence in the community. It's so that we can do more than what we're already doing. And it doesn't just take finance. It takes um, effort and serving and work and all these things. And all of them are a work of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage every family to be praying and seeking God. What might our part be to play? Uh, I mentioned it a few weeks ago at the Vision Focus evening. I mentioned it again today because I want to give you time to be praying and seeking God. What might our part to play in this be? And there's lots of ways to get involved. And the reason is because you are the body of Christ. And every one of you has a part to play in it. Throughout our church, lots of key people play a part. And last week I highlighted some gifts that have been at, at work in our church. And, and there was, at the end of our passage today, there's a few more gifts. And it says here that you know God's placed in the church all sorts of different people, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers. But one of them was helping. And um, I just want to commend, there's a few people in our church that have really been helping others really well. Pam and, uh, and Beryl have just been doing an outstanding job over these last few weeks supporting uh, church members in particularly difficult situations. And I'm just so pleased about how they are operating as the church of God in this place. They're just doing a remarkable job and there's many people all across our church doing that. And there's also, in there is listed the gift of administration and the gift of guidance. And it's really easy to think that those people that work in our office, people like Leah and Joe, are just paper pushers and they just move paper from one side of the desk to the other side of the desk. You know what? These are key leadership gifts in our church. And I'm just, I'm, I, I, they work so well and so diligently. You know, Leah especially just does an outstanding job of our leadership team. And she's there at our elders' meetings every week and she's supporting and she's covering. She's not just there taking notes, but she's inputting and helping us to move this church forward as an organisation. It's a key administrative gift. And it's so important that we have it in our church. And you might be thinking, oh, well, I, I, I don't feel like I've got a gift of evangelism or apostleship or this, but I'm quite good at like sending emails. You know what? That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to be able to pray for you and encourage you to fan into flame that gift because it's vital for churches to grow and to be able to do what they need to do in the community. You know, another gift of administration is the gift of trustee. We have amazing trustees in our church. Derek, Pam, Julia, a guy called David, and Barney. And uh, I didn't forget you, although he did remind me. <laughs> and uh, this, this is a gift of administration, and it's wonderful, and it's remarkable. And do you know what? I just want to honour, take a moment to honour Derek. Because throughout the whole of last year, this church went through a lot of changes. And we saw, we, you know, we sent off Boggles and Jill, who were the last leaders of this church. And you, you, I arrived here. Do you know what? That didn't happen by mistake. There was many hours where Derek would be communicating with the people from Grace Church, which I used to belong with, and, and with Commission, and, and with myself, and with the eldership team here. There was many hours that he spent driving from Guildford down to Centrepoint, to, uh, sorry, down to Chichester, uh, to Grace Church, to, to meet me and to have conversations and, and to chat it through. There was many times where he, he opened up his home. There's one whole weekend where he let me and my family come and stay in his house. Uh, they went away and they, they let us stay there so that we could look around the area and just see where we might live and to pray. 
All these things were all part of the journey that God has taken through this last year. And um, all that time spent was, was, wasn't, it wasn't just administrative, it wasn't just a paper pushing task. It's God at work through his Holy Spirit to see God's call, God's mandate, that we are, what we are called to do in this place come to flourish. Amen? Isn't that good? Well done. Well done, guys. Look, let's get the band back up. Um, we, we, I've asked, been, we've been asking these five questions. Oh, sorry, I was going to say something about something. I don't know. Anyway, we've been asking these five questions. Maybe you can click on for me. And um, I just want to sum it up by this. That a church has got intended is a church that know that the church is the people. That everyone who has put their trust in Jesus, seeing that worked out in a local body, is, belongs to it. It's a church that love the church, just as Jesus loves the church. Because they know how much God loves the church. It's a church that exists to see the great commandment thrive amongst them and overflow into the great commission. It's a church that want to see many come to know Jesus. It's a church that know their vision and what they're about. They know where they're going and what they're called to. And finally, it's a church where everyone is valued. All are part of the body. No one is excluded. No one is looked down upon. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone is honoured. Everyone is involved. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.